there will be one flock, one shepherd. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. It is an immense privilege and blessing to gather on this very special occasion to worship Almighty God and to celebrate the priestly ordination of Chris Craig Jones, or as my daughters like to call him, Chris Craig Jones. <laughs> the story of Chris's spiritual journey begins back in merry old England. He was born in Nottingham and baptized in the very same church as Robin Hood and Friar Tuck. Chris spent many years running with the legendary outlaw and his band of merry men in Sherwood Forest. Okay, some of that was true. I frankly have no idea what Chris did before I met him eight years ago. It was back in 2011 that Chris landed at St. Michael's by the Sea and he went through his first catechumenate course, which is basic instruction in the Christian faith. I say his first course because the following year he took it again. And the year after that he took it again. Yes, Chris is a very, very slow learner. <laughs> Actually, to the contrary, what he discovered in those three years as a catechumen is that the Christian faith is not data to be downloaded or memorized, but a real and saving relationship with the living and true God. And the catechumen experience is an opportunity to plumb the depths of the eternal mysteries of God. Many lifetimes of study could not exhaust these mysteries, let alone a nine-week course. Study of the mysteries of the ancient Christian faith does indeed bear repeating. And out of this season of catechesis, Chris began discerning a call to serve in the pastoral care ministry. And I confess that this surprised me at first. I knew Chris to be a highly efficient and productive systems analyst and project consultant for large companies. Pastoral care is a lot of things but fast-paced and high efficiency aren't usually counted among them. <laughs> but Chris's spiritual antenna were tuned into a very real signal. He applied his skills in the business world to shore up the pastoral care system at St. Michael's. He used his skills in training and development to build a pastoral care team. And of course, his friendliness and affinity for all people were a very natural fit. God was clearly moving in Chris in very significant ways, and I would add he was not only listening, but he was also obeying, and there is a difference. As he continued to discern more deeply God's call on his life, he left his vocation of some 40 years. In what I can only describe as providential orchestration, St. Michael's was able to hire him on to lead the pastoral care ministry at a fraction of what he used to make, he and Jane even sold their home in Carlsbad of 17 years, downsizing to make ends meet. One of my absolute favorite stories about Chris is when a group of us went over to his new home for a house blessing. It was Chris and me, and as it happens, two other Englishmen. We met here at church, all piled into Chris's car. By the way, if you've never driven with Chris before, Let's just say it's truly a cross-cultural experience. 
meaning he's still working out which side of the road you're supposed to drive on. And of course, I now understand the origin of Jane's rich prayer life. Anyway, by God's grace, we made it safely to our destination. Their new home is in a lovely mobile home park. We pull into the narrow driveway, the four of us jump out of the car and pour into the house. I was surprised to see that it was almost completely unfurnished, and there were two women standing in this bare kitchen who I did not recognize. I remember thinking to myself, dude, where's all your furniture, and where's your wife? (laughs) Turns out we had just stormed the wrong house. (laughs) This is true. Now imagine, three British guys and and what looks like a terrorist in a black dress with a holy water bucket bursting into your home without knocking. There were, of course, a flurry of, hello, how are you? Jolly good, right then. And me dressed basically like I am now, except with a golden wand going, where shall we begin? You could tell just by the look in their eyes In that moment, those women knew that their lives would soon end. (laughs) And that's the story of how Chris met his neighbors. (laughs) Yes, Chris's life these past seven years has been an inspiring witness and a reminder to us all that great adventures do indeed await those who heed our Lord's call and pick up their cross and follow him. The first point, then, that I would invite us to ponder on this occasion is that God calls each one of us. He has uniquely gifted each one of us and uniquely calls each of us to utilize those gifts in service to Christ and his church. If you have never considered this or dared to believe it, today is a perfect day to begin. If you once considered it, but have since left the call somewhere on the road behind you, today is a perfect opportunity to ponder anew that call. And if you are actively discerning God's call on your life, thinking and praying and studying and listening, be encouraged. God's call is real. His timing is perfect. And as Holy Scripture reminds us, he who calls us is faithful. Today, Chris, you have arrived at the culmination of many years of service, study, self-sacrifice, and discernment, without which you would not be here. That said, I'd like to suggest that all that which is past is in one sense merely prelude to this priestly ministry to which God has called you. The 100th Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael Ramsey, in his classic work, The Christian Priest Today, keenly observed that in the books of the New Testament, the title priest is never given to the ministry. Apostles or bishops or presbyters are never called priests. Indeed, he goes on, in the New Testament, there are two uses of the word priest in relation to Christianity. Jesus Christ himself is priest, and the whole church is a priesthood. Ramsey goes on to point out that it's not until the third century that we discover the language of priest being applied to the ministries of both bishops and presbyters. This does not mean, as is sometimes argued, 
that Christian priestly ministry did not exist or it was not good and right and ordained by God. What it does underscore is the profoundly important Christian belief that there is only one priest. There is only one great high priest of the new covenant, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the very word of God become flesh. And partaking of flesh and blood, as we read in Hebrews, he was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. He was become like us in all things. And as such, we have a great high priest who can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. And then in an act of indescribable love for us, he gave up himself, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. Having given himself up to death on the cross for the sins of the whole world, he is both the offerer of the sacrifice as great high priest, he is also the offering, giving his life as the sacrifice. Rising from the grave, Jesus, our great high priest, has passed through the heavens, ascending to the right hand of the Father. And it is through the promised gift of his Holy Spirit dwelling in us that he invites us to be members of his body, the church, the priesthood of all believers, of which he is the head. And then within his church, he calls some to serve as priests, to invite the world into this priesthood, into his kingdom, his body, the church, through the ministrations of his word and his sacraments. There is only one great high priest, and that is Jesus. And our Lord underscores this same teaching in today's gospel when he says very plainly that there is only one flock and one shepherd. He is the good shepherd. As priests in Christ's church, we are not our own shepherds with our own flock. Our Lord is the good shepherd. The church is his flock, and it is his ministry to which he calls each one of us in his church. In Jesus' teaching on the good shepherd, he warns of the hireling who cares nothing for the sheep. The hireling, as his name would suggest, is there mainly for the paycheck. He punches the clock. It's just a job. Naturally, when danger comes, he acts on behalf of his own self-interest. He abandons the sheep to save himself. Not so with the good shepherd. The sheep belong to the good shepherd. He cares for them. He loves them as his own. So deeply is his love for his flock that when danger comes, he does not abandon the sheep to save himself, but he abandons himself to save the sheep, yet another allusion to the cross. This is the work that the priest is called to share in, loving the one flock, not merely on behalf of, but in union with the one shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. And this work is very real. The work is real because the wolf in the teaching is real. We turn to the wisdom of the ages. St. Gregory the Great writes, There is a wolf that ceaselessly, every day, tears apart minds, not bodies. This is the evil spirit that goes about attacking the sheepfolds of believers, seeking the death of souls, 
Of this wolf, it is said, and here he quotes our gospel, the wolf snatches and scatters the sheep. The wolf snatches and scatters the sheep when he entices one to drunkenness, inflames another with greed, exalts another by pride, destroys another by anger, stirs up one by envy, trips up another by deceit. When the devil slays believers through temptations, he is like a wolf dispersing the flock. The work of the priest is real because the dangers of the wolf are real. And yet, strangely, ironically, sometimes incomprehensibly, we cannot accomplish this work on our own strength. No Christian can, especially not the priest. We do not have any power or authority on our own to accomplish Christ's work, his priestly ministry, to fulfill his mission, to incarnate his promise that he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. We cannot accomplish this. It is only by the power of God's Holy Spirit dwelling in us that we are able to minister his word and his sacraments as priests in his church. We cannot accomplish this. However, we do remain dangerously free to impede the work. And thus we must take our own spiritual lives and disciplines with the utmost seriousness. And again, this is true of the whole of the Christian life in general, and especially for the priestly ministry. Along with this calling, there comes a grave responsibility to remain open to God's grace, pouring into and working through us, to say our prayers, make our confessions, study the scriptures and the teachings of the church, celebrate and receive the sacrament of everlasting life, and remain ever mindful of who in truth the great high priest is and whose work we are about. What we do and how we live affects not only ourselves and our families, it affects the portion of Christ's flock whom we are called to serve, for better or worse. Evelyn Underhill, that great 20th century Christian sage, writes of the priestly vocation, and in particular, the priest's life of prayer. She says, the shepherd goes before and the sheep follow after, I love this, some of them at any rate. <laughs> Therefore, the shepherd of souls does best not when he turns to his people to teach and exhort them, though of course that has its place, but when he turns toward God and goes before them. It is always by that which he does, not by that which he says, that they will learn, that is the flock, the secret of prayer. And speaking of those to whom we are responsible, I'm reminded on this occasion that I was charged by my bishop at my ordination to the priesthood to remember the order of my vows. That is, I had taken my marriage vows first, before my ordination vows. This was a very good word for me, and it seems apt for you as well, brother. The priority and health of your marriage with Jane will, in fact, affect your priestly ministry, for better or for worse. St. Paul famously teaches that the mysteries of marriage are profound and that they reveal and image forth the mystery of the relationship between Christ, the bridegroom, and his church, the bride. 
Do not in your fervor to serve the bride of Christ forget the commitment and vows you have made to your beloved Jane. Indeed, allow your love and commitment to her to inspire and inform your love and commitment to Christ's church. In the Orthodox tradition, the priest's wife is referred to as presbytera. This speaks both to the intimate unity of marriage and to the sharing and responsibility of both husband and wife in the priestly vocation. May God in his grace strengthen your marriage as he does your priestly ministry, that these relationships would inspire each other to the glory of God. Over the years when I have written emails to Chris too quickly, which is most of the time, I tend to write his name as Christ. I don't know how many times I've started an email with Dear Christ, (laughs) only to go back and remove the T. For all I know, I've sent some that way. All the while thinking, I want to talk about a boost to the ego. I'm not calling him Christ. (laughs) And yet, at the heart of the Christian faith is this unfathomable mystery that God loves us so much he gave us his son to unite us to himself. And it's not too much to say that our union with God the Father through his son by the power of the Holy Spirit is salvation itself. When the light of his Holy Spirit is ignited in the soul through holy baptism, a little Christian, a little Christ is born anew. Christ dwells in us and we in him. We become we are called to be, and that is Christ bearers. It seems fitting on this occasion to conclude by pointing out that, in fact, your name, Christopher, comes from the Greek Christos, Christ, and Phoros, which is bearer. Christopher means literally Christ bearer. May God, in his infinite mercy, and grace and love inspire you in this work to which he has called you as priest in his one holy Catholic and apostolic church, that in your service as priest you would embody and manifest your namesake, and through word and sacrament in your life and work you would bear Christ to the world and empower and inspire us to do the same. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.